Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Armchair Managers Podcast. As always, I'm Ross Evans, I'm here with my co-host Dan Newton. How's it going? And there's a lot to unpack this week. It's been probably one of the most entertaining weeks of football for what opening two weeks, plenty of goals, mistakes, red cards, VAR. It's a lot to get into. So, without further ado, let's crack straight on. So, best we start recapping what's happened on the weekend. There was a yep. lot to go through. Um, I think we have to go through, first of all, what we considered the most boring result, sort of what we expected. Arsenal-West Ham, two and win to Arsenal. Yeah, um, I wasn't the greatest of games in the end, I think. No. West Ham were a bit surprising where they weren't as terrible as they were last week. No, it certainly points to the fact that their problems are off the pitch. As we suspected, yeah. all the issues with that club is off the pitch. On the pitch, they can perform. Yeah, it's just on, on their day, they can be okay. Um, yeah. But when they do let the stuff off the pitch affect them, they are pretty terrible. Yeah. And I think going into this, we both thought Arsenal, after their really great performance against Fulham, would have really took them apart. Yeah. And they didn't really play out that way. It was more no. of an even game. I think Arsenal maybe underperformed. There were... There were long-ish periods of the game where West Ham, you could say, looked the better side. Arsenal looked a little bit like the sort of pre-lockdown Arsenal first few weeks under Arteta, where it was a bit shaky, they didn't seem so sure of themselves. And obviously, Kolasinac came in for because of an injury to Tierney in the warm-up, I believe. Yeah, which never helps the team. No, it certainly would have upset their pre-match preparations. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, it, it didn't quite seem out, did they? Yeah, they, they lacked a bit of fluidity. We kind of associate this sort of team under Arteta. But at the end of the day, they got the result. And yeah. that's, I think, something Arsenal will be really pleased with, that when they are playing badly, they're still able to get that result. I know it's only two games into a season, but yeah. that is the stuff that is the difference between top four and sort of top six. Yeah, and it's something they hadn't been able to manage for a while. When they played badly, they really did play yeah. badly. Like, it's, no, it's not... You know, unfair to say that when they were when they were bad, they didn't look like they could hit a barn door with a banjo. Yeah, so. when they're off their game, they're, they're yeah. really off it. But um, yeah, hopefully that looks like it's changing. Yeah, it looks, a, looks a little sharper, didn't they? Yeah. Um, other result on Saturday, it's a shocker. Man United's first game of the season against Palace, and they lost three one. Yeah, it was a uh, it was quite a good game to watch. I thought um, it was very much sort of Palace set up to counter attack and. They yeah. did it really effectively, and yeah. um, to be honest, I think they maybe could have got a couple extra goals yeah. of how well they played. Um, there was some VAR controversy, which we'll get onto in a minute, but um, yeah. really poor performance from United, but quite a good one from Palace. Yeah, um, Palace looked, from what I saw, I managed to catch the highlights, I understood you watched the game, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I watched all of it, yeah. Um, Palace, they looked defensively really well organised well drilled that's something we come to sort of expect from a Hodgson Palace side yeah um, and they were as you say devastating on the counter yeah it was one of the sort of better I guess attacking counter-attacking performances we've seen from Palace yeah obviously like you said we associate that sort of defensive strength with them but yeah. going forward they're actually really good and especially I think under circumstances they had um, Kuyate have to drop into centre back due to injuries yeah. and he did a really good job there Yeah, and it, it was really good for Palace to sort of show that depth and that sort of ability to be solid and score goals yeah and Zaha as well do you think he, had a, he went out of that game and maybe has always come out against Man United with a point to prove obviously having such a torrid time up there under David Moyes 
maybe not got the best relationship with the club. Do you think he really did go out there because he put on a bit of a show, didn't he? He did, yeah. I think you're quite right. He always will have something to prove against United, as most clubs do. Oh, sorry, most players do when they go up against their ex-clubs. Yeah. And I think also in the back of his mind, he's probably thinking, well, I still do want to maybe eventually get a big move to... I know we talked about Arsenal last season. He's sort of linked to a bunch of clubs every year. And I think he'll want to keep performing to a high level to really show that he can still do it. Yeah. And if you can go to Old Trafford, score two goals, then... Yeah. You know, you can get into any team, really. Obviously, there's always that argument that it's for the away side in any stadium without the fans... There's not that psychological element of it because they're just playing an empty yeah, stadium. Yeah. There's no one hounding them, shouting them, frankly abusing them when they're on the pitch. <laughs> so do you think that's helping away teams? Maybe why we're seeing more goals is that... I think so, yeah. I think there is less pressure less pressure on the players, um, both the home side and the away side because you know, it affects the home team as well. If you're not playing yeah. well, your home fans can get on your back. But yeah. I, I think when these sort of quote-unquote smaller teams you know going to like big places like Old Trafford and they're still putting in really good performances and getting results maybe it would be different if they had you know 85,000 fans screaming out yeah but at the end of the day we're in the situation we are and I think Palace were really good value for the win yeah and Andros Townsend got on the score sheet didn't he Uh, I believe I think he got the first one yeah Yeah. and then Zaha got the other two yeah he's um, obviously there's an international break coming up in two to three weeks Townsend's had a really good start to the season. Do you think that's maybe giving Southgate something to think about? Or is it just a case of he's just playing well in a system that suits him? Yeah. Obviously, there's some big names ahead of him you'd expect to be there. Yeah, I think he's one of those players, Townsend, that when you watch him play, he does look good. But I think Mm. maybe he's caught in a a tricky era where there's a lot of good players in his position. Yeah. And maybe in in a different sort of time, he would have been involved more with England. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's probably a little unlikely. Especially yeah. with the amount of young players going forward, you know, Southgate want to give them as much game time as possible. Yeah, yeah, and certainly we'll, we'll be addressing the uh, Nate, uh, international break England squad in a future episode once it's announced. So you, yeah, as always. You, um, we've got to be expecting changes from what we saw in the last last time out. For yeah, England, well, well, maybe not changes in personnel, but I think the, the system will have to change because they, they didn't yeah. look good. And yeah, England do need a lot of work right now. Yeah. And you touched on some VAR controversy in this. Yeah, well, I think I actually I actually messaged you while I was watching it because I, yeah. I I couldn't believe that um, Gary Neville was losing his mind on the commentary. Yeah, it was, it was quite entertaining, but um, it, it it was all I think correctly done. Like I think yeah. it, it wasn't the wrong decision. But basically, Palace got a, a penalty due to the new handball rule, which yeah. is it, crazy, really. I think in any yeah. other season, that's not a penalty. The ball just yeah. sort of hits his arm, and I don't think the Palace players even appealed. But it goes to VAR, give the penalty. Yeah. And then De Gea saves the first penalty. But then, because he's off his line by so, a couple millimetres, inches maybe. Yeah. He gets retaken. Zaha takes the second one. Yeah, because it's you who took the first it penalty, was, wasn't yeah, it? Who, it was a pretty poor penalty. Yeah. And De Gea saved it. And I, I actually think that might be his first save in the Premier League from a penalty. Mm. Which obviously gets taken away from him. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, then Zaha stuck up, um, stood up and took the next one, and yeah. it was a really good penalty from Zaha. You got to say, yeah. and it, like I said, it it was all within the rules. Yeah, but it's just a bit of a, a strange situation. I think we're gonna have to yeah. get used to. Yeah, and again, it's just VAR being controversial as usual. So yeah, I think I think it's getting better. But, yeah, um, they still need to iron out some parts of it. Yeah, I think the application of it has become. 
better with seeing referees actually using their screens now, which we rarely saw last season. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the big thing so far this year is that refs are actually being able to go and have a look at it and make yeah. the decision for themselves. Yeah. Because I think we, we were both critical of them. Um, them kind of having a bit of their authority taken away from them. Yeah. Where they're just sitting on the pitch and they get it in their earpiece. Oh, you got to give a penalty now. Yeah. And maybe the ref doesn't even know what it was for before. Yeah. But now he can go have a look at it go, well, actually, I know the new rules. That's a penalty. Yeah. Let's give it. Yeah. And then, of course, moving on to Sunday's games, Spurs and Southampton played out a bit of a thriller. It was, yeah. It, it was a weird game because it, it wasn't the greatest performance from either seed. Um, either seed either side um, defensively yeah. um, but you got to say for Spurs we were very critical of them last week Yeah, but they came out got a really good result I think yeah and Harry Kane I think setting another record for himself four assists for the same player in Heung-Min Son as well as grabbing himself a goal Yeah, and after and it's after seeing Kane was so isolated last week seeing him back in there I mean we'll touch on some four goals from four brilliant assists from Harry Kane um, both equally vital to that team. Yeah, uh, like I think, you know, the performance itself wasn't incredible from the team. But when you do have players like Kane and Son, they can both kind of carry the team. And we saw that to devastating effect against Southampton. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a vintage performance, but when you've got their quality on the pitch, especially going forward against the Southampton side that were a little open at the back. Yeah. You know, they're always going to be of a threat, and they proved that, and they were very clinical. Yeah, well. Touch back on Spurs later in the later in the pod because we've inter- some very interesting exciting exciting times for Spurs fans. Yeah, yeah, a little man, well, yeah. not a very little man, very big man. Yeah, got Gareth Bale. Um, like I said, we'll get onto it in more detail. But yeah, talking about Kane and Son together, you imagine Bale up against with them. Oh, what a front three that will be. Uh, that is arguably one of the best front three yeah. in England, if not the world. But for now, we've got to speak about perhaps currently the best front three in England or in the, in world football in Liverpool's front three who yeah. played all took part in a 2-0 it's difficult to say drubbing for only two goals but Liverpool made that game against Chelsea look like a training exercise yeah, didn't they? they did yeah it, it was a very kind of comfortable game for Liverpool I think um, even in the first half when it was 11 v 11 Liverpool looked like the team that were going to go on and get the result. Chelsea had a couple of counter-attacks. But, um, yeah, it was very comfortable for Liverpool. Yeah, and there's so much to unpack in this game. Yeah. So, I think we're going to take through it um, and try and sort of assess where it went wrong for Chelsea and what went so well for Liverpool because there was a lot of things that did happen in that game. So, first of all, we've got to talk again about our favourite VAR. Yeah, um, of course, there was a red card just before uh, the end of the first half with Christensen being sent off for a foul on Mane. Uh, It was originally a yellow card and then um, the referee went and looked at the VAR screen and went, no, actually, I'm going to upgrade that to a red card. Yeah, so we saw correct, but what we think is the correct application of VAR. Um, I've got to say, that challenge is a red card in rugby, yeah, let alone it's, it's in a football. High tackle, yeah. From behind, you look, it's it maybe looks like just a coming together in a tangle of legs, which is, except I'd agree, yellow card. Yeah. Um, and then you get the reverse angle, and Christensen's got him round the neck. Yeah, it was a ridiculous <laughs> challenge. I don't know if Frank Lampard after the game was raising questions, oh, he wasn't 100% sure, but come on, that that is a red card yeah. any day. 
and you, you were lucky to just get a yellow initially. Yeah, and the, there was some criticism of Kepper, who yeah. Kepper rushed out. Um, I think without Christensen's intervention, Mane's going to beat him to the ball. Yeah, but we can't criticise Kepper for that because in the end it was pulled back for the red card. We can't yeah. say one hundred percent that's going to happen. So Kepper kind of got away with that one. Got away with that one because someone else didn't. Yeah. Um, but of course that that after that red card, we saw Havertz come off. Yeah, as they brought uh, Tamori. Yeah, um, on to replace keeping a back four rather than going to a back three, which I think is smart against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. You need you need that extra man because the, that Liverpool's front three, their movement's incredible. Yeah, and it, we saw him, seen him in the past. They come against a back three and they just tear it apart. They did it to Roma a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. They, a back three when they're one on ones, difficult to defend with. Yeah, especially with the overlapping fullbacks as well. I think yeah. if you go to a three in the back. And you maybe have only like a one wing back up against you know a winger and an overlapping fullback, or I guess essentially for Liverpool's case another wing back. Yeah, they're always going to be in trouble. So I think you've got to go for a back four and kind of two banks of four would be the ideal way of doing it. Yeah, and touching on Havertz, it's two games in he has struggled to I think adapt to the pace of the Premier League at the moment, isn't he? He has a little bit. I think part of that is Chelsea overall have been a little bit off their game. Yeah, I don't think they've quite. Got up to speed. I mean, I don't know what their preseason was like, but yeah. they aren't quite at the level they have been. And I think and he's been affected by that. And he's playing out of position as well, isn't he? He's not yeah, a left wing. He's he, you really want him tucked in sort of behind a striker, didn't you? Yeah, well, against Liverpool, I think he started as a as a false nine, which that's not really his position. I no, think it's a bit strange when you've got Werner out there. I know he has played on the left before, but you'd think you've got Havertz and Werner. Just play a nine and a ten. You know, it's it's yeah. not complicated. Yeah, and. Do you think there's an element because Werner has showed a bit more promise? Obviously, frighteningly quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, obviously won the penalty. He did as well. Yeah. I um, thought that was slightly soft. Maybe yeah. I mean I only saw it once, but it was a it there was coming together. I can see why it was given, and if it's given for your team, you you don't complain. Yeah, but yeah. you never really complain at a penalty, do you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was arguably it was soft. Um, but. They, they get given more often yeah, than Yeah, yeah, especially with VAR now. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll trust the rest to know the rules better than me. Yeah. Um, but do you think with Chelsea in terms of their signings, do you think there's a bit... Is that that sort of case that we see they spent so much money, bought in so many players, and they're not quite gelling? Yeah, I think when you bring in the amount of players they have, um, just, you don't need to talk about the amount of money they've spent, but just the volume of players, it's always going to be difficult to integrate them into the yeah. team. And they're always going to take a while to sort of get up to speed. And I think it is going to be a while before they're sort of firing on all cylinders. Yeah. But I think also, for me, with the problem was how they've set up. Like, you know, Chelsea have bought all these players to essentially try and challenge for the title again. And yet, the first time they go up against a title rival, they sort of sit back and almost park the bus against them. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're going to play Werner and Havertz, then you've got to try and get on the ball and be attacking because that's where they'll excel. Yeah, yeah, and see, it's not even for the players who've been there for a couple of seasons. Part of that sort of core squad, there's still problems there. Of course, Kepper. Yeah. It was a calamitous, carious esque yeah, mistake. It was very familiar. Um, yeah, for Liverpool fans, that will work. That's like a day case of deja vu, isn't it? Yeah, um, on the other uh, boot today. But, yeah. Uh, 
No, I mean, we will say, um, I think they said it in commentary, it was great pressing from Sadio Mane. Mm. You know, he gives the ball away and then... And visually push. furious that he gave it away. Yeah, yeah, which is, he. that's the kind of player he is. Yeah. You know? When he makes a mistake, he always tries to rectify it yeah. immediately. And he did really well to press the goalkeeper, but, you know, when you're playing out at the back, you're always going to run that risk. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he, sh- he shouldn't make that mistake. Yeah. But um, I, at this point, I, I honestly just feel sorry for him. Mm. With... <sighs> There's a lot of pressure on being the world's most expensive goalkeeper. Yeah, and and the thing about that is it's a pressure that the player doesn't ask for. Yeah. You know, he didn't go, oh, I want to be the most expensive goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. You know, he just wants to do the best he can. Yeah. But obviously, Chelsea had to pay the fee they did. And like I said, I feel sorry for the guy because he's, he's clearly a, struggling. He himself was a sort of a signing that was almost a panic buy to replace Courtois, yeah, he was. wasn't he? The definition of a panic buy. Um, And now, obviously, for the last week or so, Chelsea have been linked with Rennes keeper Edouard Edouard Mendy yeah I believe so yeah Um, and I think it's pretty much it's not confirmed confirmed but I believe it's they're just waiting for the Chelsea side to confirm it yeah but it's it's been a weird one where there's so much speculation about Kepa and I know I said last week that I would keep playing him but um, when there is that speculation you always are going to affect his confidence and he's likely to make more mistakes so with them bringing in a new goalkeeper, who knows? Maybe Kepa will go on loan somewhere, and you know be able to get a bit more confidence back, maybe away from the spotlight of playing for Chelsea. But I think we'd both agree it's it's a signing they had to make, and uh, it looks like it's about to um, be finalised. Yeah, and that's that's got to be Kepa done in terms of being the number one. That's, yeah, yeah. I think he's done now, isn't he? Yeah, I think right now, like I said, if he does go out on loan mm. somewhere and sort of rediscovers a bit of form who knows yeah. maybe he'll come back or he'll sign for another team and really put his career back on track but um, he's still a young keeper yeah like, I think he's only, only 25 isn't he he's, yes. he's very he's, young for a goalkeeper for a, for a goalkeeper he's quite young you know. Um, keepers tend to have sort of the longer careers in football yeah, yeah. don't they I mean um, they kind of sort of peak around their sort of 30s don't they sort of mm. 31, 32 maybe a bit older and um, yeah like I said, he's still got time to um, rediscover yeah. that form. And, I mean, you don't get signed for the amount of money you did without having some kind of ability. So hopefully he can go away, sort of get his head right and yeah. uh, come back a lot stronger. Yeah. I mean, it'd be good to see, cause he, as like I say, he's a good young player. Um, or still considered potential, has potential. But there's mistakes. that Karius had potential, probably still yeah. does have potential. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a shame as... As a Liverpool fan in that game, I'd you love to see it. Yeah. Keep a mistake, gifting you a goal. Um, but yeah, you do as a sort of a neutral. You kind of do almost start to feel an element of pity for him now because you can see there's weaknesses in this game that teams are intentionally targeting. Yeah, and he's um, not exactly getting a lot of help from the back four or how Chelsea play. Like no, yeah, he's set up to kind of be exposed. Yeah, it's it's going to be tricky for him. I think in the coming weeks, if he does draw, I think maybe we'll see him as a cup keeper. Possibly, yeah. Which might help him rediscover a bit of form, just uh, time to step away and Yeah, focus. like I said, get away from the spotlight a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but moving on from the negatives of Chelsea, let's talk about the positives for Liverpool. Obviously, as we've mentioned, two goals from Mane. Yeah, two good goals as well. Yeah. Um, but the man of the match was Fabinho filling in at centre-back as Joe Gomez and Joel Matip were injured. Yeah. And put in an exceptional performance, didn't he? It was brilliant, to be honest. I think, like a lot of... I mean, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I think a lot of them were a bit cautious, you know, thinking someone like Fabinho, 
who's so good in defence midfield, but might get a little bit exposed for pace, especially up against uh, Timo Werner. Yeah. But I've got to say, his one-on-one defending against Werner was yeah. spectacular. I mean, a lot of the frustrations that Werner had were central to Fabinho, his positioning yeah. to deal with him, um, his strength and sort of awareness that a whole Liverpool team has to move that ball quickly and to avoid pressure. Um you know, they say, should Liverpool sign another centre-half? With the arrival of Thiago, who can kind of play that number six role where Fabinho plays. Yeah. It's almost saying, well, Fabinho could fill in at centre-half. He could yeah. be an auxiliary centre-half like Fernandinho was at Man City. Fabinho yeah. could do that role and potentially do a better job of it. Because he did play in defence when he was at Monaco. Yeah, I think he's played right-back as well yeah. a couple of times. But, um, yeah, no, I think based off that performance, obviously it is only one game. But I wouldn't be surprised if he played there a lot more this season because he did genuinely look the part. He looked like a really good foil to Van Dijk. Yeah, and like we say, Matip is a solid performer when he plays but has injury worries. He does have his injury problems, yeah. And then with Joe Gomez getting injured, doesn't leave us with a lot of players. That's, as we've alluded to before, an issue with Liverpool's squad depth, Um, which of course has been bolstered by a couple of signings. Yeah. One which Liverpool fans have eagerly awaited for near on a month. And that's Thiago made his debut, came on at half-time for Jordan Henderson, who picked up a knock and was exceptional. He, he was brilliant. A, a, a genuinely world-class in the way he played. Yeah. I think we were talking earlier, he broke sort of two records, or at least one overall record, where I think he had more passes than anyone else in 45 minutes. Yeah, it was the he had seventy five passes in forty five minutes. No player has completed more passes in a single half of football, and I think in forty five minutes with that seventy five passes, he completed more passes than any other Chelsea player in the entire game. Yeah, which uh, tells you everything he's about. You know, he likes yeah. to get on the ball, and just his technical ability is yeah. incredible. He looks like he's given a YouTube tutorial every time yeah. he passes the ball. I mean, did give away the penalty against Werner with a sort of cl- as we, as we, a clumsy coming together. Yeah. So I think there was an eagerness to win the ball back. and You know, you see that in Liverpool's pressing style. Yeah, exactly. And especially, like, he's not trained with them that much, so no. he's still going to have to adapt to the defensive side of how Liverpool play. But in terms of getting on the ball, he, I mean, his quality really showed. Yeah, and he looked a step up above anyone else on the pitch. Yeah, and I th- I think Liverpool will look at that and as say with Fabinho can maybe consider position change. The issue being then if Gomez and Matip are competing for a centre half role, Gomez is a solid performer. So is Matip. Both probably will want to see more action as a regular starter. So I think. Yeah. This, this is a sort of issue you almost want to have yeah, in the squad. Yeah, I was about to say, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. You've got so many good players competing. and I mean, who knows if you know those two are fully fit and they're pushing for centre-half, then Fabinho goes back into midfield and suddenly you've got him and Thiago competing or maybe Fabinho's competing with Henderson and Thiago moves further up. You know, It's, it's a really good problem to have for Liverpool and not a problem they have had yeah. for a while and I think it can only improve them. Yeah, and overall it was just, you know, fantastic performance in Liverpool wasn't it? it looked like a training exercise yeah it did they looked like real title contenders I know yeah. we've been kind of critical of them in the past yeah. sort of towards the end of last season where they kind of went off the boil a little bit but yeah. they looked back to their best yeah and hopefully they've got a big game against Arsenal coming up 
Nets not had the easiest start to prem- the Premier League. A tricky game against Leeds, and I'll trust them. Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, coming up. But you are saying if they do end up coming out of those three games with nine points, then that sends out a huge message to yeah. the rest of the league and is a great start for them because they yeah. get some of the harder Con- fixtures out early. Yeah, considering the money that Chelsea has spent, considering the hype around this Arsenal side of, you know, they've got a new manager, they've got a style that they're playing, they've looked defensively much better. Their key players, Aubameyang and Lacazette, look revitalised. Yeah. Gabriel at Arsenal, new centre-half, looks pretty well. solid. Um, so if Liverpool can come out of that game, even with nine points, yeah, then you that really sends out a statement, which is odd to say about the defending champions. It feels yeah. odd to say that, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, it'll give Liverpool a lot of confidence as well. Yeah, you know, because it'll put to bed a lot of questions about them, and I think, you know, the fixture list is what it is. You know, you can't change it. So yeah. when it does throw up, you know, a bunch of tricky games in a row, and you come through that test, you know, it's going to be really big for them. Yeah, and we mentioned. Thiago and Chelsea and transfers. So, little roundup of I guess what's been an interesting week. Um, it's been a very I'll, interesting week. We'll stick with Liverpool for the moment because while it took three weeks to secure a twenty million pound deal for Thiago, in the space of forty eight hours, we arranged a forty one million pound for Diego Jota from Wolverhampton. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. You know, it hadn't been rumoured at all, and then suddenly. You know, you went to bed and then he was announced. You know, yeah. it was really quick. And yeah. um, i got to say, I think it's a good signing for Liverpool. Yeah. Maybe paid over the odds a little bit for him. Yeah. But um, I do think he's a good player. And he's kind of a player that can fit into that Liverpool team. Yeah, and again, a young player fitting in with sort of Liverpool's policy for signings. Yeah. Young player, talented. We've seen it. He's already done it in the Premier League. He's proven in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um. And is going to provide some real competition, I think, for Liverpool's front three. Offer something a bit different, but fine, yeah. as we said, that's kind of slowly sorting Liverpool's squad depth issue, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think, especially when you get someone who can cover multiple positions well, that's going to be a big bonus for them. And like I said, he's, he has got the quality and he has proven it. Yeah. So I think he is a good signing. You know, there's no real doubts about it. Yeah. And as we said, uh, Chelsea looking to spend more money on Mendy. Which we've touched on, yeah. adding to extensive list. Um, it's shaping up to be an interesting transfer window. Leicester signing Schengis under yeah. on loan from Roma. Did you see how they announced him on Twitter? Uh, I, I saw something. I was to the Undertaker. Yes, I <laughs> linked it to the Undertaker, which just as a you know any WWE fan out there is going to love that as well. If you're a fan of Leicester, if you're a fan of WWE. That's that's match made. Yeah, I think I think especially nowadays we're getting to the point where, you know, signings are a bit of fun. You know, yeah. sort of social media guys can have a bit of a laugh and a bit of put something entertaining together. So it was, it was a good one. Yeah, um, and of course we've kept under wraps. We did mention it earlier. Tottenham with two big signings. We'll first of all mention Sergio Regulon, Spanish oh, yeah. left back from. They've signed from Real Madrid, of course, on loan at Sevilla last season. Had a massively impressive season. Yeah. And for anyone who know who has watched all the way through the Spurs documentary, they know full well that left back is a bit of a problem position. Yeah, uh, I think who were they playing before Ben Davies? Ben Davies, Welsh who, international, it's been solid. He's a solid player, but not spectacular. I yeah. think Regulon will be a bit of a spectacular player for them. Yeah. Um, and sticking with the theme of left backs, a former left back mm-hmm. turned right wing turned icon at Spurs 
Gareth Bale is back at Tottenham. Albeit on loan. Yeah, on but loan. But he's back. Um, yeah, brilliant signing. Yeah. Um, he is a world-class player, I know. Maybe the last 12 months have been pretty poor for him at Real Madrid, but he's a good player. You know, yeah. he's got policy, and I think he'll do brilliantly in the Premier League. Yeah, it's... Do you think that so much time on the bench being treated poorly by Real Madrid and Zidane and the Real Madrid fans, do you think that'll affect um, how how he plays in the Premier League? Do you think there might be a bit of rust? Uh, Obviously, think... he's out till the beginning of October because he's got a slight knee injury. Yeah, I think there will be a little bit of rustiness, but um, that's to be expected when he has had such a long time out. But... You know, I think he is a quality player, like we said, and if he gets close to hitting the heights he hit at the end of his time at Tottenham or in his first couple of seasons at Real, um, he should be a real quality player. And like we said, you put him in a team with Son and Harry Kane, that is one of the best front threes in the world. Yeah, it, it's frightening to think that, obviously Kane showed the sort of level of delivery he can provide mm. and provide that to... Son, who we know is a fantastic finisher, but if you look at historically, he can now provide that to Bale as well, who is a step above in terms of his finishing. We've seen that. Yeah, and a great and creator a, himself. And a great creator himself to Harry Kane, who probably is the best number nine in the world. Yeah, I think, you know, it's crazy. You talk about one signing can really transform a team. Yeah. And suddenly that Spurs team, it has problems still. Yeah. But it really should be in the top four. Yeah. And I think that looking at the transfer rumours, according to the mail, um, Deli Alley might be sent on loan to PSG. So yeah, I've had that. I know he's been um, left out of the last two matchday squads. Yeah, I know. Initially, there was talk that he might go to Real Madrid the other way with the Gareth Bale signing. Yeah, but um, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, I know Mourinho. It kind of seemed like he might be able to get the best out of him, but. You know, there's rumours about him being a bit lazy, having a bit of an attitude problem. Yeah. And, you know, it might do him well to sort of get away for a year, go somewhere else, and have to, you know, re-establish himself in a really top-tier team like PSG. Yeah, it's... That would make the Bale signing more important because they would lose a creative outlet. I, his numbers haven't been up there Yeah, he has dropped off a little bit. But he's played something like 230 games for them now. Yeah. Uh, and he's still only, what, 24? Yeah, um, definitely. I don't think this is the end of Deli Ali if he does mm. leave. I think he, he's got plenty of time to sort of re-establish himself as a top yeah. player. But um, I think it might just be a case of maybe he's not working out under Mourinho. Like I said, yeah. he goes away for a bit, rediscovers a bit of form. Yeah. And I think for Spurs as well, with Tangai Nambele, who came on um, and played against Southampton, and put in a really good performance, really showed yeah. why they paid so much money for him. If he starts getting more into Mourinho's plans, yeah. then who knows, maybe there's room for Delhi to move out. Yeah, which would be a shame for Tottenham, I think, as I say, as a talented player, but like I say, as seems to not be at the peak of his powers at the moment. Yeah, and we've seen this with players before, sometimes they need a little move away just yeah. to rediscover that form. And yeah. look, I'm still a fan of Delhi Alley, and I think he will come good eventually. Yeah. Right, moving on from transfers to a side who we think 
still got a couple of signings to make. Uh, Manchester City in action tonight against Wolves. Yeah. Of course, in last week's episode, we did predict the scores. Yeah. Uh, you said a, called a 1-1 draw. Controversially. And I called a 3-0 win for Man City. Are you still sticking to your prediction? Uh, I am, yeah. Um, like I, said, I mean, it's hard to say for this Man City team because they haven't played a game yet. Yeah. But like we saw with Man United, maybe they'll be a bit rusty, you know? Yeah. Um, without having this being their first game, I think Wolves have already played. It could be tricky for them. And um, Wolves have been a problem for Man City, and I think they'll continue to be a problem. I can see a draw 1-1. Yeah. I would be tempted to... I'm going to slightly disagree with my original prediction and go down to... Probably I might say a 2-0. Oh, okay. Um, I think Wolves are a well-organised side. And I think losing Jota, mm-hmm. perhaps Wolves might not be as attacking. Yeah, that might affect them as they well. They might look to play a heavier counter-attacking game, trying to really take advantage of Traore's pace um, and depending on which fullback they he comes up against, they can manage that pace a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, very difficult when he's that quick, but yeah, and his, his power as well. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean he's technically a very good player. Yeah. Also, he's got sort of everything in his locker, but then you put the pace, power, and technical ability that he has, yeah. it will be tricky. But with the creative ability that is offered, that they've lost through Jota, you would expect them maybe. Which is the risk against City to do this is to sit a little bit deeper to try and create more space for um, Adam Traorian and Raul Jimenez to catch to sort of take advantage of. Yeah, well, um, it will depend where Traore plays as well because I think already yeah. he's played right wing back, right wing, and striker. Yeah, you know, in sort of one or two games. So yeah, it would be interesting to see who he lines up against. Yeah. Um, City, of course, not quite made the signing we expect them to do, which is a Centre back, yeah, I and mean, they've got Nathan Ake. Came yeah, in, Nathan, but... Nathan Ake has come. We did sort of expect another one. They are linked with Jules Kunde from Sevilla, young yeah. Frenchman, and Kulibale as always. Yeah, heavily heavily linked with another signing. Do you think we can expect that, or do you think that the signing of Ake will be enough? Um, personally, I think Ake will be enough if he gets injured, and maybe they might get rushed into another one. But I, I think. They could use another centre back, but I think they'll still have a good season regardless. Yeah. But that centre back might be the difference between second and first. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, City, you always expect them to be at the very top, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's a strong side. Um, I think they'll be back with a vengeance for the Champions League as well. Um, yeah, uh, that's the other thing. I think they're more interested in winning the Champions League than anything else, and they're going to work really hard towards that. Yeah. Maybe at the expense of the league, you know, we don't know. It's it's very early days. Yeah. Um. And even though I'm predicting them to only draw against Wolves, I still think they will go on to really push Liverpool and yeah. probably win the title. Yeah. It's certainly going to be an interesting se- season for City fans, because the fans are going to be baying for a trophy. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. Despite winning trophies last season, they, will, they did get the Premier League or the Champions League. They will want one of those. I think City fans almost in the way Juventus fans just expect the league title. I think there's an slowly creeping in an element with City that the Premier League 
the Champions League are expected as trophies they should have. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're getting closer to the point where, you know, a League Cup or an FA Cup isn't enough for them. So, uh, certainly, I think uh, the League Cup, I th- no one really talks about the League yeah, Cup, Yeah, I, I, I think recently, over the last couple of years, the League Cup has gone down as yeah. a trophy, or like it has gone down in value as a trophy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think they'll be desperate for a Champions yeah. League, as they always are. Yeah, it's 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 a tri- tricky... Is it, the, the calls during the summer of Guardiola being a fraud... I think yeah, that we've got to address that to some point. Of it, is, it is harsh. Uh, I know the reason everyone likes to sort of go on Guardiola is because he is such a good manager. Yeah. You know, so that when he does go wrong for him, it is fun to sort of poke him a little bit. Yeah. But he's you don't you don't win as many trophies as he has. Yeah. Without being one of the best managers ever. You know they say they say oh he inherited his squads. It's like well look at the squad that other teams have on paper yeah. Chelsea at the moment on paper have one of the strongest squads in the league on paper United have a team of world beaters and McTominay um. <laughs> yeah but I mean all you have to do is look at how like Barcelona did after he yeah. left and they had you know some really great years yeah but they've had more recently a lot of very bad years yeah and you question you know if Guardiola was still there would they have had those bad seasons and, yeah. and I don't think they would have no, it's it's silly to sort of count them out as a manager, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still Just call him a fraud. You know. One of the top three, if not the best manager in the world. Yeah, yeah. The current, you know, certainly. You think you'd have to say on. It's hit probably him, Klopp. Tom, I think Thomas Tuchel would be up there. Yeah, um, potentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still think Conte is a top manager. Yeah, I, I like. Antonio him as well. Conte is a, a top 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 manager. Um, so just have to wait and see when we see what City get up to this season Month tonight will be sort of a little taster of what to expect for the coming season wouldn't it yeah well and I'm really looking forward to see how they do this year right coming towards the end of the show and as always we're going to look forward to the weekend's games yep um, will we get any right this week yeah <laughs> when we get a score prediction right I'm sure there'll be some sort of reward for the person who does it. Yeah. Even if it's a slightly sarcastic round of applause from the co-host. <laughs> um, first game we've highlighted for the weekend is Brighton versus Manchester United. Brighton will be without Basuma after a, a pretty <laughs> obvious red card. A, yeah. lot, a scorpion kick to the face of Jamal Lewis. Yeah, I think maybe you've been watching too many Ibrahimovic videos because yeah. that was a, a ridiculous kind of challenge, but... Uh... He's a good player, though. I, do like, yeah. Yeah, I like watching him play. And Brighton have been playing some really good football the last... They have as well. they got the right-back from Chelsea yeah, as well. Uh, Lampiti. Yeah, Lampty. Lampty. Lamp- yeah, the second Lamp- one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's done brilliantly. Um, he looks a real class above. Yeah. You kind of question... Surpro- why Chelsea let him go? Yeah, you kind of question know. that, don't you? I, I know there's a lot of great right-backs around, mm. especially English right-backs. Yeah. If I was one of them, I'd start working on my left foot. Yeah. <laughs> Learn how to play left back. Yeah. It's um, because he's got uh, Carl Walker. Carl Walker. Trent. Wambasaka. Oh, and Wambasaka. Trippier. Um, Carl Walker Peters as well. Yeah, he's not bad. He's looks getting better. Um, <sighs> I'm sure there's a couple There's there probably a couple more, but yeah. that's five there. That's five there. Brilliant right backs. Yeah. And left backs. Shearwell? Yeah. Luke Shaw? Maybe five years ago. <laughs> yeah. 
No, uh, like you said, he's been great, and so have Brian. You know, yeah. Um, they've started really well, and they've yeah. been really entertaining to watch. And United, are we expecting to see them come back with a vengeance after a rather embarrassing performance? You'd hope so, but um, it'll be tricky. Um, I do think they'll get the result, but I think it will be one nil United. I think. Yeah. You know, is I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think. United are going to try and be solid defensively. But on the other hand, you know, Brighton, if they do get the counter-attacking right, could go on to win the game. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say 2-1 to United. You know, I'm, I'm just expecting that United only needs a few players to really perform. Yeah. And then that will see them win. You know, take advantage of some space... Of space and gap someone like Fernandez to f- slide through either Rashford or Martial or Greenwood or Dan James if he gets yeah. subbed on, or if you know Donny Van Der Beek starts and yeah. uh, you know he pulled over a goal against Palace. And yeah. he, he looks pretty decent. So yes, but he also looks miserable after the game once <laughs> well, he realised who he signed for. <laughs> Can you blame him? <laughs> <laughs> um, the the second game we highlighted on the Saturday, uh, Palace versus Everton, Everton. Fans are a bit loud at the moment because they're top of the table after two games, or second in the yeah, table. Yeah, I think they're now second. They were different. top earlier, yeah. Yeah, they were top of the table for about six hours on goal difference. Um, Ancelotti's done, I think, said about what the best managers in the world. Ancelotti's up there. Yeah, he's he, certainly we, we should have in the conversation. Him. And what he's done with Everton, they look a really good team, and I hate to say it. Yeah, I hate to say they it. Look but they look great. Do. I know we've mentioned sort of Chelsea making a lot of signings and not being able to bed them in. But yeah. Everton, their new signings have started brilliantly. Yeah. You know, Howard Rodriguez looks at every part of the player he did back at the World Cup yeah, years ago. 2014 World Cup, was yeah, it? Yeah, I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. And um, they look like a good side. And yeah. they're going to push a lot of teams very hard this year. Maybe they'll need one or two more signings to get into the top four. Maybe yeah. next season. But um, I think they're a good team. Yeah. And... Um, Likewise, Palace putting a great performance against United look really dangerous on the counter attack. Is it going to be the same kind of situation? You know, are they going to invite Everton onto them and try and take them apart that way? Yeah, I mean, I can see this one. I'm going to call another two one in favour of Everton. I think, I think you know, there's still question marks over Pickford. Yeah. Um, Everton's defence is sort of the only area that hasn't really been touched and while he's got somehow managed to get Michael Keane playing well um, I just think that they might concede yeah I think the pace and power of Zaha Ayu Townsend is going to be an issue it's, it's a threat for any team you know yeah. they have really great chemistry and combinations as well yeah um, on the counter attack and I think for me personally um I think there's goals in this game. You know, Everton have scored a lot, but they also yeah. conceded a couple against West Brom. So I, I could see a, a 3-2 to Everton. Okay. But um, I think it's going to be a good game. And uh, who knows? I think Palace will make it a lot closer than mm. maybe we expect. Yeah. Then moving on to Sunday's game, first one we've picked out, Tottenham versus Newcastle. Um, yeah. If Tottenham continue in the way they did um, in the weekend... You, I can only see this being a, a one-way 
Street, really. Newcastle didn't look great at yeah, the weekend. they looked poor against Brian. Looked good against West Ham the week before. Yeah. But very poor against Brian. Which is kind of what we expect from a Newcastle side. It's inconsistency, isn't it? Yeah, good one day, bad the next. Yeah. Um, and, like I said, it kind of depends which side of Newcastle turns up. But, to be honest, I think, regardless, I think Spurs should win the game. Yeah. And I, could, I think maybe a 2-0. You know, Newcastle yeah. do try and keep it tight. And I think Spurs' quality will just shine through. I, I, I could see three. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say three now. Um, I think if he starts, I think Tottenham's defence will be buoyed by the signing of Regulon, yeah. who is also very good going forward, yeah. which will help add to their attacking potency. Kane... Has his creative ability shone through, so we know he can do that, and he can score. So we've got two things to think about. And then you've got Son, which is to score four goals, incredibly difficult. Yeah, nice <laughs> deal with him. And a great player. Great player, and obviously can't discount Lucas. He, he's been a bit yeah, ropey he didn't have last the, couple the of games. The greatest last um, sort of end to last season, but well, you look at his Champions League form the season before that, and he was brilliant. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think he's a great option for them to have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's Newcastle could be in for a bit of a hiding here, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it will just be one where, I think similar to Liverpool-Chelsea, where maybe Newcastle just sort of put a lot of players behind the balls. And I don't think Spurs will be that interested in maybe farming their goal difference after they got such a big win No. this week. So, yeah, I, but I think we both agree. Yeah. Good win for Spurs. Yeah. And the final game we highlighted was Manchester City versus Leicester. This is sort of maybe one of those uh, modern big six clashes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Leicester have looked pretty good so far. They've scored a lot of goals, um, conceded a few as well. And uh, it'll be a good early test for both sides, I think. Mm. You know, we talked about Liverpool not having the easiest of starts to the season. Yeah. But I think you can say the same for Man City having to go up against Wolves and Leicester. Yeah. And uh, I, I do think they'll come through, though. I reckon uh, I can free one to City. Yeah. I. In terms of it being a struggle for City, I'm going to say I have to disagree with you. I think, this, like I said, the City team is going to c- come out looking for blood. No yeah. league title, no Champions League last season. I think they're going to want to make a real statement. So to go and hammer a team like Leicester, I think I, I'm going to say a comfortable 2-0, but... I wouldn't be surprised if it was more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I think City's quality will get them a lot of goals, especially with how Leicester have been defending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it'll be a good good weekend again. Some yeah. Really interesting fixtures to without there being like a, you know, a Chelsea or a Liverpool playing each other. There's yeah. lots of good teams sort of playing each other outside the yeah. top four. And I think this City side, I think the sort of game we saw between Chelsea and Liverpool, I think we'll see that between City and Leicester. Yeah. I think for City it's going to be almost a training exercise just to assert dominance uh, it's certainly dependent on the result tonight yeah well to be fair I think if, if they were to lose to Wolves or something then we would definitely expect the City side to really come out and attack yeah. them and as always that is now the end of the show thank you so much for listening please do follow us on Twitter at Armchair Managers that final E is a 3 please do remember that because Someone took the took the tag. Not happy. Yeah, it's never good to put a free in a ceremony. No, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening. Until then, we will catch you in the next pod.